Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 34 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Lazy Prophet. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Good morning. As we're uh, going into this teaching and this um, understanding this morning of these days that we're in, I there's um, we're going to handle kind of two topics this morning. Well, I'll begin with this uh, one topic of as in the days of Noah, and you know my scripture, Matthew twenty four seven, and um, we'll go over the time period that we're in. We're going to look at the days that we're in a little bit, and then we're going to jump into how are we to react to these days that we see that we're in. How are we to react in these days of Noah right before the coming of the Son of Man? What is our to be our? So, we, you know, we look at the lay of the land and what's going on around us, and then the, and which we want to know. But then there, uh, the other question is, how do we react to what we're seeing? So the first part will be on the lay of the land. Second part will be more, and on this week and next week, I'll probably go on into some more of our reactions uh, to this. So the time period, again, this time period keeps, keeps it expanding. Uh, the time of, we're in a time period of deceptions, delusion, illusions, false uh, perceptions, progressive reinterpretations, and selfish prophets. So the one that I've added uh, today is selfish prophets. And uh, you can say, well, Alan, I'm not a prophet. Well, maybe you're a selfish prophet. So you might say I'm a prophet. <laughs> so we want to look at the selfish prophets in this day, what's happening and what's going on in relationship to these other things. Now, when a nation leaves God, it is being deceived, which brings on a reinterpretation of the truth uh, of God into a lie. So we've went, been through these delusions and things. We're going to expand on it a little more today on uh, how do we, uh, how does this happen? It's, it's, it's easy to project other people are having delusions or illusions. It's, that's easier to do. But the question is, is it happening in me or... How am I responding to it? And now, there's one thing to identify a problem, and there's another thing to know how to approach the problem that you're identifying. As Christians, we don't want just to identify it, and uh, we want to be able, be able to identify it, and then how do I approach this problem? How, what is my role uh, in discovering what the, what the problem is? It's None of us like to go to a doctor and get a diagnosis and, and leave and the doctor not tell us what to do about it, right? We like to know what do we do in light of this uh, diagnosis. Now, the greatest lie of all time, I've said this, is that the Word of God is not true. This is the huge battle. Re reset your brain again as we're in here this morning. The big battle is, is that the Word of God's not uh, true, we are living in a time that the words of God are being erased, leaving us with the words of man. Now, the biggest, one of the biggest things we have today is what we call cancel culture. And that means if I don't like what you're saying or doing, I'm just going to cancel you out of my mind. I'm going to act like you do not exist. I remember when I first ran into this, it's probably four or five years ago, 
I had run into individuals before in my life that will just cancel you. Has anybody ever had that one? All of a sudden, they're just cancer. It's like you don't even exist. I'll be honest with you. That's kind of the ultimate of hurt. You know, you're kind of like somebody's, I mean, you can be in disagreement with somebody and they disagree with you. Well, that's one thing. But for them to act like you don't even exist, that's the ultimate. And uh, of of being uh, destroyed or pushed pushed aside. So today we have this cancel culture uh, idea that's out there. And, and what's amazing to me, it's, it's now considered as a proper behavior among human beings. It's, it's just, I'm like, well, just because you cancel something in your mind doesn't change the fact that it still is, right? But it's, it's being considered as cancel culture as an acceptable behavior of humans, and I can do, and and that is a precursor to rewriting truth. You've got to be able to cancel truth so you can bring in a new truth. So don't think that cancel culture is just about canceling something. It's about canceling something so a new idea can be moved in. That's part of the deceptiveness we're in today. Now, our only hope as individuals and as a nation is that God's people are also His prophets. Now. Say so that's with a big P or a little P, I don't care. We're still all prophetic people of God. We are all, it's sitting in this room, we're all prophetic people uh, to the Word of God, to the kingdom of God, to the people of God. We're to speak forth the will of God. And y'all have heard me say this before, the, our job as a people of God or as a prophetic people of God is just to speak forth the will of God. It's not, again, in future telling, uh, but it is in speaking forth the will of God about any given situation. That's very important. Now, when speaking forth the will of God, it's it's not an opinionated situation. It's not your opinion. It's God's will. And that's a big difference in your opinion and speaking forth God's will. It's a big difference in training yourself to speak forth God's will and not your opinion. Because our opinion is usually the first thing that comes to the surface. And we might even be offended for godly reasons. It still doesn't have anything to do with it. What you're wanting to speak forth in any given situation is the will of God. I found myself in some situations uh, this week that uh, the way I was going to respond to two individuals, or they were men in their 50s, and the way I was going to respond to them for their uh, behavior uh, was righteous indignation, but it wasn't the will of God. <laughs> so, uh, and, and you say, how, Alan, how do you know that? Because I was going to glory in their destruction that was ahead of them because they weren't going to repent. And I knew they weren't. And uh, so one way I know if I'm in the will of God or not is if I have attached to my message at the end of it, God's mercy. Somebody say amen. Does anybody feel my pain? <laughs> that... <laughs> That you, you that we don't want to to do that, and I'll show you this that little predicament. This that event of my week is is the thrust of, of this teaching this morning. Uh, progressivism is the new paganism. Now that's what we've got to consider. I've talked about progressivism a little bit. What we haven't considered is this term right here: that progressivism is the new paganism. So if you think about progressive motives. Everything that you're seeing today that's morally incorrect, it's not true. All, all of this, 
It's just a it's just a reemergent of paganism is all it is. But it's under this ideology of progressivism. We're progressing to a greater utopia uh, of paganism. And paganism is a is a uh, it's amazing the definition of paganism. It's a paganism is is basically a a it's kind of a in its one of its heydays it was the Roman culture if you will, and so we we know in the end times that this Roman Empire Roman culture uh, we know that the Antichrist is going to be operating under this type of Roman culture. So paganism, if you will, is the religion uh, that the Antichrist will uh, dwell in. Now, I, I want us to look at paganism just a little bit, not long. America is being paganized. And I think it's the reason it's being paganized is because it's getting ready for the, the spirit of the Antichrist. And so we're being paganized, which is the religion uh, that the Antichrist will rule and reign from. Is uh, Now, paganism is, is, is more than not believing in God. It, it's a religion. It has a behavior. It has a, uh, a man's mind and his thinking is the, uh, it's man feeling like he's a type of a God that brings forth this atmosphere, this paganism, this atmosphere of the Antichrist. And so paganism is the spirit of, therefore, the Antichrist. And so we're, we're, uh, we're in a little deeper than we think, perhaps. Now, so America is even being paganized. Now, what's happening to America? We are changing from Christian to pagan. That's actually, that's what's happening as we can see it. Uh, and I don't have to go through all, all the rehearse all of the ways that everyone sitting in here, uh, you're all very well aware of what's going on in America or you wouldn't be sitting in this class. And um, so we're all aware of these different expressions of this pagan religion and how it's taken over again. Now remember, it's setting the stage, the atmosphere for the spirit of the Antichrist. Now paganism is a quickly growing spiritual movement consisting of various groups practicing Nature-based uh, polyistic religions loosely based on the religions of the ancient world. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, the, just go to the easy one, which is abortion. I mean, all of this is, is, the, is the, that's a pagan ritual. Abortion is a pagan ritual, as an example. And so all of these things that are happening that we are seeing now that are, are so immoral and immoral is, coming out of this pagan uh, mindset. Now, they've got to understand some that it's loosely based on uh, religions of the ancient world. So if you want to know about paganism, you just... Uh, for instance, witch, witchcraft is part or is associated with paganism, but that doesn't mean that pagans are all witches. You know what I'm saying? But, but it, it, uh, the New Age movement is, is part um, of this, even though... Paganism is, isn't just the New Age movement, it, but it, it. So what paganism uh, does is it encompasses um, anything basically that's against God. Uh, but but you got to understand, we have been created as beings that worship. Now sometimes we're we're confused about this worship 
because we think it's our desires. I desire to do this. I desire to do that. I want to do this. So we're, we're confusing sometimes and not understanding that our desires are actually acting out a type of worship is, is what's happening. And so we, we tend to worship things. That's, that's who we are. But we say, oh, this is my greatest desire. This is, this is uh, you know, this is what I want to be when I grow up, you know. And so the selfish behavior uh, of us is worked out in worship and wor us worshiping things. So that's part of the paganism. Now, what do pagans believe in? Pagans believe that nature, now watch this, is sacred and that the, now this is taken out of the dictionary here. Pagans believe that nature is sacred and that the natural cycles of birth, growth, and death observed in the world around us carry profoundly spiritual meaning. So paganism is spiritual. Don't think it's non-spiritual. It's very spiritual. Human beings are seen as part of nature along with other animals, trees, stone, plants, and everything else. That is of this earth. And so there, and when you start understanding how paganism works, and you, then you understand that part of the message of paganism is climate change. You say, Alan, you're crazy. I, no, I'm not. Uh, listen, God created the heavens and the earth. If you think you're going to out control God on this earth, I need to sell you a dairy farm, you see. Uh, I mean, God is in charge of the, this earth. Man cannot destroy it. God's the one that will one day. He's going to scratch it off and do it again. But nobody's going to before him because he's the one that's running this show. So to have the audacity to think we even got enough sense to destroy it, to me, is too big for us to even think that we're that. We can do that. We, we, we can't do that because it's God's earth and it's God's climate. Now, but my point is, in paganism, the, the earth, the climate, all of this stuff, we're going to save the earth. Well, you, you, whose God are you? You see. And my point is you're not big enough to save it and you're not big enough to destroy it. You're just thinking way too highly of yourself. <laughs> I mean, I'm not for doing unhealthy things and polluting streams. I'm not for all of that. But if you think you can do enough to destroy the, to the earth, the earth... You're not thinking right. You're just not that big of an influencer. Can somebody hear me? You're being, you're receiving an illusion that we're big enough to do it. We're not. God is and God alone. And we're not God. So just be at ease and be, I hope, be at peace. We're not Big enough, smart enough, dumb enough, evil enough to destroy the earth. We can't, we don't have that power. We don't have that makeup. So, but you got to understand in pagan religion, it's all about worshiping the earth. Everything turns uh, from a male, uh, male concept of leadership into a female style of leadership. Now, I might lose some of you here. But I'm one of these people that believe that males got roles and females are got roles. I didn't say females can't lead because females lead most of the everything that happens in a family, unless you got a different family than I got. <laughs> you know, it's 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 the it's the female instinct that. Uh, uh, and of course, we all have to switch roles at times in life. I understand all of that, but for the most part, my point is this: and. In paganism, you always worship the female. That's, that's what happened. 
And so a lot of your feminist movements today and all of that and trying to create uh, all of this, I mean, the way I was raised, male and female was not equal. The way I was raised as a female was greater than the male. And I'm not kidding. I was to have more respect for the female than I was a male. Was anybody else raised like that in here? Am I the only one that my mama said that to? I was to have such respect for females. I believe to this day, if I didn't respect a lady, that my mother would come out of the grave and wear me out. That's why, honest, I'm just being very, very honest with you. It's the way I was, I was raised. And so, but what happens in paganism, something starts to shift. What God do, do pagans follow? I should put a little G there. Pagan religious um, religions follow the female divine principle. Identified as the goddess beside or in place of the male divine principle as expressed in the Abrahamic uh, God. That's the whole issue of what you see happening in paganism. Uh, what is what's called new paganism or neo-paganism? Uh, any of several spiritual movements that attempt to revive the ancient polyistic religions of Europe and the Middle East, these movements have a close relationship to ritual magic and uh modern witchcraft. And that is more of what we call the neo-paganism of today as it's introducing more things to it. Now, reviving the final forms of Roman paganism. Now, this is what we want to see, that in the days that we're living in and moving into a atmosphere of the Antichrist is the reason you're seeing all of this stuff on the news, the reason you're seeing all this idiotic, uncomprehensible activity and behavior. Uh, I saw a, a, a debate this week on a, a two men debating, one saying that uh, you couldn't, that a man could be a male or a female. And the other, uh, and both of these were professional psychologists and they were debating that, that and I was sitting there and watched that guy trying to and so, and so he said, uh, so you're saying a man can have a baby. And I said, well, just according to how many operations you've had. I'm like, do what? No, I, well, do what? And he said, well, a man can have a baby when the female is now saying she's a man. So therefore, a man's having a baby. Do you see those mental gymnastics? <laughs> is, it, is anybody? I mean, I know I'm a redneck farmer. Is that stupid? Or what? So the way you do all of these mental gymnastics is you say there's a female that now identifies as a male, so now for therefore she'll have a baby, and so therefore a man has just had a baby. I'm like, can you actually believe that this is not a sideshow in a circus? That you pay a quarter to watch in and see people talk about? Or it's in reality? I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Now, let's watch this. Whoever saves you is seen as a god. This is what happens in paganism. Whoever saves you, and so if you, if you do uh, study Roman history and on, on even back, what the emperors or, or, or even in Rome, the Caesars or uh, Napoleon, they worship Napoleon somewhat. What The point being is whoever saves you is who you worship. 
And so they had these ideas that is in paganism, that that's how the in paganism a Caesar could become a god. Or if you're a great leader or whatever, uh, they would move you into a position of deity uh, because you have saved a nation or 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 whatever. Can can everybody hear what I'm saying? And that and there again, that's my caution, and I'll, I'll say it out loud because I do milk cows. Uh, that that's a, that's my caution about Trump. Uh, people are moving him in a position as a savior of the United States. Now that's my worry. That's my problem. Uh, would I vote for Trump? Yes, I probably will if he runs again. But I have a problem. And I know Trump's not a savior of, not, of the world. Now, he can be used by God just like you and I can. Did you know you can be used by God and then all of a sudden be good and go bad? Wow. Yeah, of course you can. I might have, if I'll hush and get to teaching, I'll show you one this morning did that. Uh, but there again, that's my problem with the Trump uh, thing is people see him as an individual, as the savior of the United States. Now, that's incorrect thinking. That's act, believe it or not, now, that's a pagan-type thinking. He is not the savior of the United States. He can be used by God to do whatever he needs to do. But then people cross over into a worship-type mentality almost, like the United States is going to be lost if Trump's not voted in as president. Now, I'm telling you, that's just as pagan as the other side. It just is. It's not the way. Do we pray for them? Do we pray for our leaders? I pray for Biden. Yeah, we pray for our leaders. Yeah, we're, of course we're supposed to. Do I agree with the things that are going? I mean, I'm such opposition to it that uh, uh, I'm in such opposition, I'm not going to tell you how much I'm in opposition on the podium, <laughs> lest I, God strike me dead for getting too redneck on you. So, but But nonetheless, my point is, whether you're extreme right or extreme left, you still can get into a pagan-type thinking and doctrine. And I'll say it, Donald Trump's not the Savior of the United States. Only Jesus Christ can change us in a revival of the hearts of God's people. That's, that's what changes America. Now, progressive values are the pagan values of ancient times. So we're just seeing them brought forward that progressive values are pagan values of ancient times. Something is happening to America. Can somebody say amen? Something's happening. Who will warn America? We're seeing this, what's happening in these days of Noah, as in the days of Noah and the second coming of Christ. Right, who's going to warn America? Who's going to warn the world? Are our messengers withholding the message that could save us? Now, now follow me here. Now, we've talked about paganism. We've talked about the world. We've done all this. Now I'm going to talk about you and me. You, you can say amen. amen. You're welcome. Okay. Are our messengers withholding the message that could save us? So you I say Trump's not our Savior. No individual's our Savior. The church of Jesus Christ, Jesus himself, is the Savior of the United States. And, our, and the way we've turned into these pagan rituals and all of that. Now, we are the, we're the messengers, you and I. Are we more concerned with judgment than mercy? See, that's what happened to me this week. There's my opening statement. Whether me trying to hide it, I will confess it. <laughs> In this situation, I was more 
rejoicing in their judgment to come than I was offering them any mercy. And I didn't offer them any mercy. I didn't want them saved. I hope you're not too disappointed in me when you see me and you. Here we go. <laughs> judgment is coming, but mercy is our hope. Okay, are you with me? Judgment's coming, but mercy is our hope. Now, we're the messengers of God. We've been called to a task. And I'll stand before you and say judgment's coming to America. But I will also tell you, if I'm going to be a true prophet of God, I've got to put in there that mercy is my hope. Now, believe it or not, I would like to stand before you and say that I run. You see, when people are acting like idiots, you're more into the judgment mode than the mercy mode. Am I the only one? Okay. So we want to see how this is a problem of the messengers, and that's the reason I say, is the, are the messengers holding back on the message or the prophets holding back on the message that can save America? The truth is what saves America. Now, but it's, gets, it's, it's kind of entangled when it gets into our own personal emotions and our mind. So try to follow me as I'm trying to, to lay out how the, it's entangled so that we can see it, so we can get out of the entanglement, uh, perhaps. Now, I'm going to go with Jonah. Now, watch this. Jonah was a man who ran from telling of the coming judgment because he wanted people to experience God's judgment. <laughs> That's old Jonah. <laughs> I don't mind Jonah in the Bible, but I don't like Jonah and me. He was more God was giving Jonah information and he got upset with God. And you know why? He wanted Nineveh to get God's judgment. And his message to Nineveh was judgment. He his message was to tell the truth and it was judgment. Actually, he by the time he gave the message, it was so short. I'm even I don't know how they got convicted. He had, he, had, he had so shortened that thing. I mean, we'll read it. I mean, it's like, you're kidding me. And, they, and, and all of a sudden, so now, he, but here's my point. My point's not Nineveh. Now, we've been talking about Nineveh, progressivism, the idea. I mean, I'm talking about all that stuff. The world that we're in, America, we're Nineveh. The topic this morning is not Nineveh, it's Jonah. God's got a people to take a message. If you don't change your ways, judgment's coming. And the, and the prophets of God have got to repent of wanting people to get what they deserve. That's right. We've got to repent. You can say, well, Alan, that's not me. Well, just think on a little bit before you pass judgment on yourself. We've got to repent. When I see some of these idiots talking and that one guy saying, well, when a woman, when she identifies as a male and then has a baby, then that man's having a baby. When I see that, I'm like, you just need to burn in hell is all you need to do. Now, I'm just sorry. I don't feel like running on the stage and giving them the gospel. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should, but I, I mean, I can see myself running on stage and choking somebody. <laughs> But I can't see me running on stage and bowing down, saying, in Jesus' name. And I, I just can't see myself doing that. So, but here's my point. I'm here representing God's Word, not Alan Smith. <laughs> Most of what you hear from me, 
I'm not saying I'm a Paul either, but some's from God and some from Paul. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming y'all have enough sense to figure out which, is, which are the two. Now, now, here's what we've got to understand. Jonah did not want Nineveh. He didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to get to judgment. So I'm standing here before you making confessions that I can't take a good message to um, a man woman having a baby. I can't take a proper message to that person unless the greater part of my message is mercy, not judgment. That does not come natural to me. Let's watch this. This is what it says. I call it Jonah's pity party. Now, now this you got to understand, this verse, I'm going to start at the end of the book first. This is Jonah's at the end. He'd been to Nineveh. He came outside the city, and he sat there on the bank, going to sit back watching the sea of judgment came on the city. Jonah was such a hard head. How in the world did God, why did God choose Jonah? <laughs> I mean, he's like, he looked on the earth and said, I'm going to get the most hard-headed prophet I've got, and we're going to do a deal. And now this is Jonah after he went through all of his ordeals. He took the message, and then he went outside the city, and here's what he said. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. <laughs> you know he was sitting there saying, okay, God, nuke him. <laughs> you, you, know you know that's what he was thinking. You know. Has anybody had that thinking? Uh, okay, we'll not, go, we'll not call names here. Okay. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. In other words, Jonah knew he was sitting there and God sort of winked at him and gave him a covering, you know, so he'd be in the shade. So, so Jonah was probably thinking a little too high of himself. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. So... Jonah got to revel in his specialtyness for only 24 hours. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a venomous east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted. That's pretty hot. Uh, and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. This is after the belly of the fish. Can somebody say Jonah's hard-headed? Now, I want you to understand something. Jonah was hard-headed. That was Jonah's last message. He's sitting on the bank. You know, you, we like to say, did that last experience not grow you in Jesus? <laughs> That's what we, we like to think that every experience is growing us a little bit more like Christ. Now, here's, here's the point. Jonah still ended up doing what God sent him to do, whether he liked it or not. Can anybody see that? If you think you just got to go along with God to fulfill your purpose, you're sadly mistaken. 
You're going to go and fulfill it whether you like it or not. I've had people tell me, well, Alan, I just don't think I'm fulfilling what God's got me to do. I say, well, you just need to look up and smell the roses. He's been dragging you the whole time. Now, listen, I'm telling you, man's not going to destroy the earth. Climate change and all that's a bunch of malarkey. Man's not that big. You're not big enough to stop the purpose of God in your life either. Now, do something with that one. That's the word of God's all. Now, if you're interested, I'm going to move on a little bit. Let's look at what else he said. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the, for the gourd? <laughs> and God said, well, okay. If you're angry, you can be angry that the gourd withered up because a worm ate it. And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. <laughs> you bless your heart, Jonah. Then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither bade it grow, which came into the night and perished in the night. What God said, he said, listen, you didn't even make the gourd grow. God's saying, you don't have, you didn't, you hadn't, you hadn't done nothing here, Jonah. You didn't even make the gourd grow. Now you're mad because the gourd's gone, but you didn't even make it grow, nor you didn't make it gone. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score, I think that's 250,000 or something, or 150,000 people, persons, that cannot discern, watch this, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. Y'all see what God's saying? When I look at our world today in America and the paganism and everything that's going around, and I'm saying, God sent Nukem. God's telling us His people that He thinks more of those people that don't have enough sense to tell the right hand from the left hand, to tell whether they're male or female. God said, hey, Jonah, you got to understand something. They don't know the difference, but you do. God judges those that know a difference. He has mercy upon those that don't. We know the difference. The pagan world doesn't. God was asking Jonah to take the message of judgment so that his gift of mercy could be applied. But Jonah was mad at God because he was afraid God was going to give him mercy. Now, let's watch it. And this is how the book of Jonah ends, is what I just read you. That was the ending. Jonah was a man, a prophet called by God, who ran from the assignment that God had given him. He ran from it. He did not want God to have mercy on Nineveh. I submit to you and the people of God, if you're not giving the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the homosexual, the lesbian, the transgenders, if we're not carrying the message of judgment, but offer them God's mercy because they don't... Listen, you and I don't have enough sense to know our right hand from our left hand less than outside of the Holy Ghost of God. That's every one of us. Every one of us. Jonah had an assignment. Everyone in this room and watching online has got an assignment from God. The question is, are you running from it? 
Our assignment is to take the gospel to the world. It just so happens our assignments got a little tougher because the world's got a little rougher. The assignment's the same. No one under the sound of my voice should not be convicted somewhat because we all have this assignment to take the good news to a lost and dying world. Now, our message is the judgment's coming. I had somebody last week who said, Alan, how, how do you, why do you keep saying the judgment of God's coming? Look how many times in all of these situations that God's looked like judgment's coming, didn't come. I said, it's because people repented. It's not that the judgment wasn't true. It's just that repentance happened. Now, you see, the problem with us prophets, if God doesn't bring judgment but applies mercy, you look like a liar. Anybody get what I just said? The reason we want judgment is so we can say, yeah, look what I told you it was coming. See, part of Jonah's problem was he was sitting there and he had a problem. His problem was God was going to give him mercy and then he was going to lose his reputation about the judgment. Does anybody get what I'm trying to say? I'm going to try to show you a little better here. The reason he ran is a big problem. It's a big problem. Now watch it. God had said to Jonah, I want you to take my word of warning to your enemies because I will soon destroy them if they don't repent. That was Jonah's message to Nineveh. He shortened it a little. But that's still his message. That was his message. I want you to go warn them. We're to warn Nineveh, the United States, America, the world. We're to warn everybody. Judgment's coming. Okay, this particular conversation, this person was somewhat condemning me for not... God's love, God's love, God's love. I said, yeah, but that's not the first part of the message. The first part of the message is judgment's coming. Now, watch this. That's God's way, it's not mine. But Jonah knew God was loving and merciful. And if his wicked enemies actually repented, he knew they would be forgiven and not experience judgment. There lies Jonah's problem. So I submit to us, let's be careful. Look good now, because on the outer surface, you're not going to be guilty of this. But if you go to looking a little deeper, you might find a little room or two you might need to sweep out. What Jonah really wanted was judgment, not compassion. And so he ran. Now watch it. So he ran. I'm telling everybody that's listening to me, if you're not going to a lost world and giving them this warning, you're running. Your guilty is the same guilt to Jonah. Watch it. God wanted Jonah to preach to Nineveh, but Jonah's offense blocked his ability to speak the truth of God. I can be so offended at homosexuality or a lesbian or the woke movement. I can be so offended that I don't give the truth. A lot of people say, well, you're just trying to be religious and giving the truth. No, that's the love of God. The love of God is you speak the truth, knowing if there's repentance, there's mercy. But how can you repent and get mercy unless you're given the truth to repent of? Can anybody see that? This is the problem. Now, Nineveh was full of vile people. It was. It was just... It was a mess. It was a nasty mess. Jonah did not want to be part of their salvation, only their judgment and destruction. 
Now, there again, I'm just re- I'm repenting to you guys. When I ran into this situation this week, I knew when I left that conversation, I wasn't in mercy mode. I wasn't. I, to be honest with you, I had to leave for slap somebody. <laughs> well, I like to think maybe I wouldn't. But I sure felt like I won't. Well, I, I left. <laughs> but this way, I don't know if I would or not. We'll never know because I left. But, I, but my conviction was that of, of Jonah that I knew. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was a little surprised in myself this past I was. I was surprised. I thought I had more going for me than that, uh, only to be disappointed in myself. Jonah was new. Jonah knew if it was new. Jonah knew if they repented, God would not destroy them. That's what Jonah knew. And then he would not look like a prophet that was saying judgment is coming, but it never comes. That's what I'm, you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense to anybody? Judgment of God's coming, judgment of God's coming. This has been preached for 2,000 years. People repent and God. Listen, that's the reason I've told you. There's been an Antichrist alive on planet Earth in every generation for the last 2,000 years. There's been an Antichrist. A lot of people say, was well, this an Antichrist or that one or that one? Well, the truth is, could Hitler have been? Yeah, he could have been. But the truth is, something happened that changed it. Satan does not know the day nor the hour or the generation that Jesus is coming back. So therefore, he has to have an Antichrist ready to move into place in each generation. Y'all get that? So there's always, they've been here every generation. It's not like, uh uh-oh, somebody missed one. It's not like, uh uh-oh, yeah, Satan got one every time. But something changes it from happening. For 2,000 years, you see, the disciples were looking for it to happen in their lifetime. There was repentance somewhere on the scene that God said, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to give mercy. God's been given judgment call for 2,000 years that could have come to conclusion in any given generation. But for some reason, God has opted his mercy card so far. Y'all get that? Or this would have happened 2,000 years ago. God's been opting in every generation his mercy card and not his judgment card. But our message is still judgment to repent of, to receive the mercy. We are guilty of giving mercy without the truth. Therefore, nobody changes. The truth is what sets free. Mercy doesn't set free. Truth sets free. God's the one who gives the mercy. Are you with me? Now let's move quickly. He would be risking his reputation, a price he was not willing to pay. He just, Jonah said, I'm not doing it, not risking my... uh, Nineveh was a long... Now you got to understand Jonah, and I don't don't forget the king's name, but prior to this... Jonah had prophesied to a king that he was going to win a war and win all this stuff. And then who was the other prophet, Amos, or somebody come up to the king and said, no, that's you're going to do the exact opposite of what Jonah said. And the other prophet was right, and Jonah had egg on his face. So Jonah has got a little bit of a, uh, a, a complex here of missing a prophecy or two. They didn't stone him. They didn't kill him. Jonah had been hiding out in life because of his missed prophecy, and then God calls him back up. So you can understand a little bit, be a little sympathetic for little old Jonah. 
because he done failed. He's run his big mouth trying to be somebody big. God brought him down to size to where he could use him. Isn't that something? Now watch this. Nineveh was a long walk about 500 miles east through the Arabian Desert. That's what God was calling, calling him to. That's all, 500 miles on foot's pretty good. Matter of fact, through the Arabian Desert. So that's what God was asking. I mean, he knew that that was a pretty good call. He was called to a city that hated Jews. They were their enemies. And its walls were 100 feet thick. It was this huge city. None of it was a big, huge city, this big fortress, but just as pagan as you could get. They hated Jews. They were even known to, in Nineveh, to take a Jew and skin him alive. So just a little bit in Jonah's favor, he wasn't looking forward to going to Nineveh. But not only that, it's 500 miles to go, and... Uh, he was to carry a message of repentance or God would destroy the city. That's what God told him. Jonah, here's the message. You take off, run down to Nineveh, 500 miles, and I want you to take a message. Now, here, here's the response. Here's the way we feel. Here's what happened to Jonah. It's too difficult. I really don't feel like it. I'm afraid. I don't want to fail. I just want to do what I want to do. When we run from God's assignment, we run in two dangerous places. Is anybody with me? Jonah said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll get a bad reputation. I already got a little bit of one anyway. I don't want to do it. It's not convenient. I just don't want to do it. It's 500 miles. God threw a blame desert, right? What he didn't know when he said no to God, what he was going to run into was worse than that desert. Now, now watch this. This is what I call the long way to Nineveh. What's this? Jonah 1.3. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. So Jonah says, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going to Tarshish. It just so happens Tarshish was in the opposite direction. Now watch this. Jonah rose up to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down. Can somebody say went down? When you run away from God, where are you going? You going down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he did what? He paid the fare. He did what? He paid the fare. Thereof and did what? Went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Can anybody tell me who Noah's travel agent was? <laughs> Lesson learned from this. When we run from God, we are destined to go down. And we will pay a price that will cost us more than we wanted to pay. When we run from the will of God, even a safe place like Tarshish can become dangerous. Can you hear that? Hard-headed Jonah headed for Tarshish, a 2,500-mile trip. Here's what you got to understand. His trip under instruction of God was 500 miles. His plan B was 2,500 miles. Can somebody do the math? Hard-headedness, disobeying God, not agreeing with God will take you a whole lot further than you meant to go and keep you there longer than you want to be there. Which was in the op opposite direction of God's will for him. Jonah signed up for a 2,500-mile trip instead of taking a 500-mile trip. 
Listen, I hope you can hear what I'm trying to say this morning. This morning is a teaching and a confession all rolled up into one. But it also shows me where I need to, I've got to work on some things. We do have the message of judgment. We are to take that message. But we're always hoping and praying for God's mercy. I heard a guy say that the first of the week that it's too late for America, and I pretty much agreed with him. By Friday, I said, nope, that ain't right. I'm always asking for God's mercy, not his judgment, because that's our message. Our message, our marching orders, is to take the truth of God's word, pray that we repent, that the mercy of God might be experienced. Can somebody say amen? All right, stand with me if you will, and I'll pray, and if you want to come back next week, I'll, I'll show you what it feels like to be in a fish, if anybody wondered. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Lord God, it is our prayer that this message that I, I felt like you had me give this morning. I pray, oh God, it'll be quickened to our hearts. We would repent of not taking the full message with us on the journey. Lord, if there's anything that I've said is not of you, I pray it'll fall to the ground. If anything that I've said is of you, I pray it'll be quickened to our hearts, it'll guide our steps, that we might be prophetic people unto this earth and this hour and this day, that the power of God might rest upon your people. The power of God might change America. It doesn't take but one good prophet to change a whole city. So I deputize and I call forth all the prophets and the prophetic people that are online and in this place that you are deputized this day as prophets of God to take this message that God might save America. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.